You ever had, had dirt thrown on your name? People who spoke ill of you? You have, you have a valuable name, right? You have a, you have a good name. You want to have a good... Even, even Proverbs chapter 22 verse 1 says, A good name is to be valued above great riches. People value a good name, right? And we talked this morning in our offering about other things that we should value. Fresh air, flowers, the things friends do for us, good things that come to us. Lots of things we value in this world. Things we don't want dirt on. Things we don't want destroyed. Things we want to hang on to. We all have those kinds of things. What things would you give up for Christ? What would you give up for Christ? In the profit and loss columns, how would we, how would we put debits and credits for our relationship with Christ versus other things. How would those fit together? Let's take a look at Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, Paul was talking about credits and debits, gains and losses. Philippians chapter 3 verse 5 Paul is listing what he used to consider his gains on the profit side of the ledger. He says he was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee. Guess that means he was really good at the law, huh? He knew the law. He knew what the fourth commandment meant, right? He knew what the ten really were. And he knew the fourth one was important. He knew the law. Like some other people who know the law. That, that, was, that was really important. A Pharisee. Hmm. Verse 6, concerning zeal, persecuting the church. He stood up for the truth as he thought it. Right? He stood up for the truth as he thought was the truth. He was very zealous in standing up for the truth as he thought it was. In fact, to the point where he was willing to persecute other people who were not keeping the truth as it was in Moses. Right? Or at least that's the way he understood it. So he was persecuting the church. He was that zealous. I wish sometimes we'd be zealous. I don't know that we want to be zealous like that. But sometimes... We have difficulty getting up enough zeal to go, Amen. 
<laughs> but we can do it. We can do it. <laughs> Continuing in verse 6. <laughs> Concerning the righteousness which is in the law, Paul considered himself blameless. Now, if you're taking a ledger of good and bad, right and wrong, law-keeping and law-breaking, if you're blameless, that means your, your credit column, your gain column is pretty good. And your debit column, yeah, it's just blank. I wish my credit and debit column were like that, you know what I mean? But look what happened here. Look what he says in verse 7. Check it out, verse 7. But what things were gained, what things were on my credit column, what things were on that side of the balance sheet, what things were gained to me, these I have counted, what? Loss. I put them on the loss side of the balance sheet. Paul thought that all these things were gained, keeping the law. Is it good to keep the law, by the way? Yeah, I'm really good. I'm good with that. I'm not anxious for anybody to stand up just now and, and say, give me all your dough, you know. That, that would not be cool. I'm, I'm, I'm good with people telling me the truth. I'm good with not taking God's name in vain even with letters, OMG or something, I'm good with those things not happening. Keeping the law is a good thing, but not as a way to earn salvation, right? There you go. Those are good. We should do those things, but we're not earning salvation. And so Paul said, for, for gaining salvation, I counted all those things loss. Loss. I counted it all loss. All those things were lost to him. He let go of them. He counted them. He struck them out on the one column, entered it on the other column. Business language here for Paul. And then, if those weren't enough about righteousness, look at verse 8. Look at verse 8. If it's not just about righteousness, look at verse 8. Yet indeed, I also counted... What's the next word? All things. All things loss. I'm willing to give up all of those things to get Christ. That's pretty serious, don't you think? To give up everything to know Christ. I wonder how many of us would be willing to do that today. Would I, would I be willing to do that? Would I be really seriously willing to do that? You know? Think about all the stuff. There's some stuff I just plain need to get rid of. You know what I mean? You know, my garage has way too much stuff in it. But once I got past there and they started to take my car out of the garage, then I'd get a little nervous, wouldn't you? Or maybe they just take the house. 
Then, then it'd be a little, little scary, right? Are there people seriously willing to do that? I mean, are there people in other countries that would be willing to give up all that they possess in order to serve Christ? We had some, uh, some pastors from Cuba come when we were in, in uh, California. We worked at uh, Pacific Health Education Center. Some of these fellows had come from Cuba during the time of the revolution. And they lost everything. They lost everything for Christ, including their freedom. Churches were turned into government buildings. Would we be willing to suffer the loss of this building for Christ? What are we willing to lose for Christ? Those men were. They were willing to go to prison, lose their freedom, even lose their life for Christ. Paul goes on. I count all things loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. Paul had already suffered that. And count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. That's what he was looking for, to gain Christ. He was willing to give up everything. In verse 13, he talks about forgetting those things behind. He wasn't just absent-minded. He was purposefully putting them out of his mind. I want you to think about that time when somebody puts some dirt on your name. Does it still kind of niggle at the back of your mind? Still kind of bother you? Still kind of work at the edges of, of your good feelings there? Or are we able to let those go? Are we even able to let go our, watch it, here it comes, our right to be mad at somebody for besmirching our name? Are we willing to forego that right? Are we willing to give up all things for Christ? What does this pressing toward the mark, what does this growing in Christ, what does this losing things for Christ so that we can gain Him, what does it mean? Does it mean giving up things that we thought were our rights? Does it mean sometimes giving up ways that we could seek and make a ton of money? Does it mean giving up some things that we were used to eating? Some things we were used to wearing. Some words we used to use. Are we, what are we willing to give up for Christ? Or is it all just, oh well, that's a tiny, that's, that doesn't matter. That's just a little thing. We don't need to worry about that. What are we willing to give up for Christ?
Were you here for Sabbath school? Sabbath school was awesome. Talking about last day events. Do we suppose that during those last days that everything's going to continue, that you're right, your right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness will not be abridged? I think we have some, some prophetic words on that, don't we? And if we're not in the habit of giving them up today, what are we likely to do then? Can we suffer the loss for Christ? Brothers and sisters, this is not just about stuff. This is spiritual warfare we're in. This is serious business. This is not just about, hey, I gave you a 20 and you only gave me five bucks back. It should have been 15. Where's my $10 bill? It's not just about a $10 bill. If you're willing to lose your Christianity over a $10 bill, you're willing to sell it pretty cheap, aren't you? Are we willing to suffer loss? And not just the loss of the $10 bill, but the willingness to give up the right to be upset about it. He shouldn't have done that to me. <laughs> right? <laughs> Well, $10 I'd let go, but $10,000, that's a different story, right? That's okay to get upset about. It's money. Who gave it to you in the first place? Oh, oh that's right. You earned it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. We were... We were on our way into church this morning and my granddaughter, Zoe, she's all hiding now. <laughs> she says, I have $2.97, Papa. How do I figure out the tithe for that? I, I'm, hey, that's sweet, you know? That's good. I'm pleased. Praise God for a girl her age who wants to follow the Lord all the way, right? And so we were talking about that. And I said, here's why we do it. I said, take a nice deep breath. Let's all take a deep breath. Yeah, feels good, huh? How much did you pay for that breath? Nothing, right? He gave you that breath freely. How much money would you have earned without being able to breathe? <laughs> right? <laughs> he gives you the breath. We return tithe. This is a simple deal. <laughs> Real simple deal. God is good, and we're simply giving back what he's given us. Are we willing to suffer loss for Christ? But Paul had something more in this chapter. Take a look at verse 13. Verse 13. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but 
one thing I do. One thing. Do you remember what we had up here on the screen this morning? What did we sing up here this morning? What was our, what was our call to worship song? You are my soul desire. Soul desire. Soul desire. Was it S-O-U-L? No. What was it? S-O-L-E. The one and only. The one and only desire. You are my soul desire. Verse 13. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. One thing only. Forgetting those things which are behind. He put aside everything else. He had one focus. Everything else went to the side. One focus, one mark, one goal, one way to go. We have one soul desire, Jesus Christ. One, one desire, Jesus Christ. The mark, the goal, verse 14. Are you with me? I press toward the mark or I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I have one mark, one goal, one thing worth reaching for. I watch every year the Tour de France. They have one goal, get to Paris. These guys travel almost 2,000 miles by bicycle. <laughs> I don't want to drive that far in a car. <laughs> if I'm going 2,000 miles, I'm getting an airplane ride. They don't do it in a car. They do it by bicycle. And they have one goal. Get to Paris. That's it. One goal. They focus everything they have on that one goal. Nothing else. One desire. One goal. One mark. One thing I do, forgetting everything else. They crash. They get up. They keep moving. They don't think about that crash. They keep moving forward. What about us? Are we willing to do that? Are we willing to have nothing else taking away from Christ? That's the key here. That's what we're talking about. We can count everything else loss. We hold one thing as important, Jesus Christ. One, one thing. There was a governor of an area of the Roman Empire called Bithynia. His name was Pliny. Pliny. Something or another. Can you tell I don't do good with names? Trajan was the emperor and... Pliny sent this letter to the emperor to tell the emperor how he flushed out Christians in the area that he controlled. And he wrote to the governor, I gave these men's chance to invoke the gods of Rome, offer sacrifice to the image of the emperor, and finally to curse the name of Christ. 
Then he added, none of these acts, those who are really Christian, can be forced to do. Putting else aside everything else, one goal, one object, one thing we do, one loyalty we have, and that is to Christ. Just one. How about you and I? Could we be accused If people followed me day by day, if people followed me in my, in my daily walk with Christ, would they find me bowing down to George and Abe and Alexander? $20. Andrew. Would they find me bowing down to those guys sometimes? Would they find me sometimes getting mad at somebody? No, no, I wouldn't use real cuss words. Use vegetarian swear words. You vegilink! There you go. There you go. It's okay to get mad at them just as long as you don't call them. There you go, yeah. You don't call them real curse words, right? Oh, dear. There you go. And so, would there be enough evidence to convict me of being a Christian? Do people, do people say I talk too much about Jesus? Okay. Is the IRS threatening to audit me because nobody gives that much to a church? Right? Is there enough evidence to convict me of being a Christian? Because I put everything else aside and I keep Jesus as my one object. Growing in Christ... Growing in Christ. Verse 7. Verse 7. Make sure you're in the right chapter, Ron. But what things were gained to me, these I counted loss. But we haven't finished the verse. What's the rest of the verse? For Christ. This is for Jesus. This is for Him. Just getting rid of stuff to be cool, to say, hey, look what I did, not good enough. If I do things, if I gain all kinds of things, and I gain them for me, it's not the right motive. If I'm doing it for Christ, then I'm on the track. Then I'm on the right path. Verse 8, take a look at verse 8. He's expanded it. He says, yet indeed I also count all things lost for the, for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Am I willing to use that dirt, the loss of stuff, to allow me to grow in Christ and know Him better? To know what it is to share in His life, in what He went through. Am I willing to suffer with Christ? Am I willing to die with Christ? 
Are we serious about this or are we playing church? Are we serious? Is it really okay to count all things loss, all, for the excellency of knowing Christ, to experience Him, to be with Him? Not just, not just like I can recite whole chapters, huh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right, Psalm 23, exactly. Well, no, I, I, I memorized whole books. Did you know Jude has 26 verses? <laughs> but it's a whole book. Now I can say I, I memorized a whole book. Yeah. And it wasn't even the smallest one. What is all that? What is all that but loss if I don't know? If I don't know Jesus Christ? Daily. Walking with Him, experiencing Him, being with Him, living daily life with Him. That's what it's all about. That's what we're talking about, knowing Christ Jesus. Nothing else is valuable. He is the pearl of great price. We press toward the mark, verse 10 that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Brothers and sisters, does it take more power to resurrect a person who's physically dead or a person who's dead in their sins? Right? <laughs> the difference is, is that a dead body can't resist but an unregenerated heart can. Which really is the power of the resurrection? Which is the real power? The power to bring a body back to life? That's cool. But the power to break down prejudice, the power to break down resistance, the power to break down my desires for myself, that's the real power. And I need that. I need to experience that in my life. How about you? That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. I want to know that power in my life. Know the power of His resurrection and the fellowship. Huh? I want to... Well, wait. Let's just... Why don't we just skip the last half of verse 10? Huh? That, that part doesn't sound like too much fun the fellowship of his suffering, even being conformed to his death? That'd be some serious dirt over top of you, huh? But is God able to resurrect us? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so we need that kind of growth in Christ. We need to gain Christ. Verse 12 Verse 12, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on. Why? Why press on, Paul? That I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. When Jesus came into my life and converted me, he had a purpose for my life. 
He didn't just wind me up and then set me off on my own. He had a purpose for my life to make other disciples, to make glory to his name, to bless people, to love like he loved, to grow, to be like him. That's what God wants in my life, to be like Jesus, Christ-like. That's what he's looking for, to be like Jesus. He wants us to be there. Verse 13, verse 13, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, one goal, get to Paris. One thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Yeah, I've crashed before. Other people have made me crash. Do I think about that on my way to Paris? Do I think of how I can mess them up or am I interested in the goal? The goal, I want to get there. I want to see Jesus. I want to be like him. Forget that they messed me up. I don't care. That isn't important anymore. Fix your eyes on Christ. One thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward. See those guys on those bicycles straining, straining to cross that line. And at the very end, at the very end, just as they get to the line, they, they reach forward, they shove forward on the handlebars, they, they sit, wait, the seat's up here. <laughs> the seat's up here because they shove that bicycle first because it's the first wheel that goes across that line. And so just as they get to the line, the last thing they do is shove that bicycle forward so that they can be the first to cross the line. And sometimes they take that pictures and it's inches, inches between one bicycle wheel and the next, crossing that line. They're reaching forward. The desire, the urgency, the, the total... Ah! Yeah, that's what it's like. That's what it's like. They put everything into it. People in that bicycle race have died trying to get just to the top of the mountain pedaling along and drop over dead because they had nothing else on their mind but win that race. Brothers and sisters, if people are willing to die for a bicycle race, if they strain so hard for a bicycle race, can't we do that for the one who loves us and gave himself for us? Jesus did everything for us. He did everything for us. This is our calling. Verse 14 I press toward the goal for the prize, for the prize of the, wait, what's this prize? Ah, oh, it's a gold crown in heaven. It's what I get. No, the prize is Christ-likeness, the upward call. Some gold crown, who cares? When you get to heaven, you're going to throw it at his feet, aren't you? Or are you going to go, no, 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 I earned this crown. What? You're going to throw it at the feet of Jesus. I'm going to throw mine at the feet of Jesus. And, and all of us are going to throw it. You're just going to get lost in the mix anyway. Who cares about a gold crown? They're probably pretty heavy anyway. 
You know, my neck's not that good. A little pencil neck, you know. Not much for the gold crown thing. But Christ-likeness for the mark. Look at it. I press toward the goal for the prize. What is that prize? For the upward call of God to be like Jesus. He's calling us to a higher standard. Brothers and sisters, we cannot be like the world. We cannot just be like other people who get mad when a little dirt gets on them. We are like Christ, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. We're like Christ, who like a lamb was led to the slaughter, yet he yelled at all of them. What do you think you're doing? Don't you know who I am? Is that Jesus? No. Was led like a lamb to the slaughter, but opened not his mouth. This is our high calling to be different, to be loving people like Jesus was loving. This week, I invite you to aim toward the mark, toward the high calling in Christ Jesus to give up stuff even paper stuff in your wallet if you have to even other stuff 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 man we're seriously into stuff we have a stuff problem you know <laughs> give it up for Christ and he's calling us to be single-minded, single-minded, single-minded for Christ. Single-minded as we press toward the mark and grow to be like him. That's what we're here for. Thursday night, first game of the football season. Yeah, me too. I could care less. But anyway, here it is. And like every time I click on a link in Yahoo or various places on the Internet, there's like a million ads for those, um, what do you call them? You call them, um, what do you call those things? Where did I write that down here? Oh, Fantasy Sports. The Fantasy Sports League. Fantasy football, that's it. Fantasy football. Man, the links for that stuff are everywhere. And as I understand it, you, you kind of take players that are out there and you, you pull them in for your team, you know, or something, right? The problem is, it's like any world, I assume, you've got kind of a limited budget here. You can't just have all the good people and nobody else in the league does and neener, neener, you win all the games. That, that, that's not how this works. If you're going to get that running back that's really good or that quarterback that just throws like a dream, you got to give up somebody else. You got to give up stuff to get stuff, right? These sports fans, fanatics, 
They think of little else when the season starts, you know. Are we willing to think about little else than Christ? Are we willing this week to recognize what's really important? What is the one thing that we live for? That's what growing in Christ is all about. Putting aside everything else, keeping Christ first. That's what we're talking about. This week I give you an opportunity to do that. To put Christ first. To make a difference. This is not fantasy football. This is real spirituality. This is where the, the spirit meets the road. <laughs> this is where it makes a real difference in the way you live. Because that's what Christianity is all about. Living it out. Putting Christ first. How would Lakeland change this week if all of us were perfectly Christ-like? Oh, man. <laughs> How would... Do you think... Do you think Lakeland would notice? Do you think there'd be anything different here when we came in next week? Would there be anything different? People coming here, flocking here. Or maybe they'd be coming with guns to, I don't know. <laughs> There's a bunch of nuts that meet over there. <laughs> what would it be like? I'm not asking you this week to be perfect. Because that's the point of this. What I am asking you to do is to put Christ first and grow in Him. You saw those little plants on the screen? What kind of plants were those anyway? Anybody know what those were? Huh? Beans? Could you harvest any beans off of them babies just coming up? Nope. Couldn't harvest anything off of those things. Does that mean they weren't perfect where they were? Weren't they doing perfectly what they needed to be doing at that stage in their growth? Yeah, that's what Christ is looking for from us. To do what he's asked us to do this week. This week. Not in heaven. Not when you were ten. Neither one of those. He's looking for you to be more than 10. But at the same time, he understands where you live. He's looking for you to follow him where he leads you this week. You have the opportunity to make that choice today. To follow Jesus. And I invite you to walk on higher ground. 